0: So it seems like everything starts with this tweet here, right? <laughs> so I, want you I haven't to give, seen this in a while. <laughs> I want you to give some context.
1: Oh, uh, Mark Hendrickson, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. Jeremy, I haven't seen this in a, a while. It's February 26th. Right, so we basically just sniped this guy's post and offered more value. Then I, I jump in to offer the two-for-one. And the the kind of two-for-one Dylan jumping in was to take one of their pre-existing podcast clips and show them what we could do as an animated edit. Um, And so Dylan dropped that the next day. And that was like very early smart nonsense, you know, storytelling through animated clip. Um, Once Dylan posted that, that's when Sean DM'd us. And he was like, who are you guys? What do you want? And, you know, how can I be of help?
0: Hey, this is episode number 19 of Backstage Career. We're back, baby. The podcast where I interview the right hand men and women who are working with some of the biggest entrepreneurs and creators out there. In today's episode, I'm talking to Henry Belcaster, who first popped on my radar when I found out that he and his business partner Dylan are the guys who are editing the amazing social media clips that the My First Million podcast guys are putting out. If you haven't seen these clips, they're fucking crazy. Uh, go check them out on instagram at the hustle daily they're really some of the highest quality social media clips i've ever seen since i've been deep in the social media game since 2018 i was really curious to find out more about these guys so i did a little more digging and it turns out these guys are also working with the legendary all-in podcast besties you know them jason calcanis Chamath, david sachs friedberg And they're also working with Hassan Minaj and a bunch of other really, really cool clients. So this episode with Henry is a little bit different than our typical episode. Usually I interview someone who's working behind the scenes with like one big entrepreneur. But Henry and Dylan figured out how to get in the door, not only with one entrepreneur, but with a bunch of them. At the same time, they're also growing a really cool business. It really seems like the best of both worlds to me. So I wanted to figure out a little more about their secret sauce. And in, in the episode, Henry delivered. So let's find out how they created all of these opportunities for themselves and all of the strategies they used to get where they are today. All right, let's dive in. We're going to go deep on the approach. Like, like this is going to be the podcast you've done where it's like, we're going to go the deepest on that stuff because that's really <laughs> what I think my, uh, my listeners are interested in. Like, how mm-hmm. the hell do you reach someone like part like some just anyone that you're that you look up to that you listen to like in podcasts whose YouTube videos you watch and you guys have a very very unique strategy that I haven't seen many people use, but that's crazy effective so we're gonna dive into that but first off it's it the cool thing I think is like you guys it's funny that the 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 passion project that was not supposed to be making money. like You tried all these different ways of making money, right? It's like like the Dunbar, like, oh, this could be a huge startup, right? Like the wedding photography, not super fulfilling. But then the podcast, the thing that was probably the most fulfilling, right? And the thing that you guys really love doing, just by pursuing that, uh, you guys uncovered an opportunity, which I think is, is super cool. And I think it's a pattern I see again and again with, uh, with a lot of my friends. Right. So I just wanted to point that out. But let me share my screen. And, and we say, too, it's like,
1: what would you just be doing no matter what for free? Mm-hmm. It's like, what's that stuff that, that's so intrinsically motivating that whether, whether anybody's watching or anybody's paying, you're just going to be doing it? Dylan was so mad at me for a long time because he's like, you're, a, you're the video guy. You make, create,
0: and, and edit video. Like, why, why are you starting a social app? you know and i was like oh, that's a great point so i want to go down the rabbit hole of twitter oh yeah <laughs> so it seems like everything starts with this tweet here right <laughs> so i want you I haven't to give i've seen this in a while I, I want you to give some context oh uh, mark hendrickson i'm sorry and then and then we're going to go down a rabbit hole of cuz i think i think one of the key lessons from you guys approach and i think in general if you want to reach uh, people that are I mean really busy people right that are hard to reach um follow up is key, and so i I, I want to go through multiple different tweets and um just the the persistence that you guys had and just the <laughs> again and again and again, just hitting them again with with good stuff um, but let's let's start with the story, dude, Mark
1: Hendrickson says, for 2K, I'll drive down to Austin. From, so Mark Hendrickson, as Sam and Sean on the My First Million podcast are talking about their need for video podcasting help. Sam's talking about it on like every episode. People are tweeting at him like this. What was different on Mark Hendrickson's tweet here and where I got really lucky is I'm just perusing through Twitter. I've got my 25 followers at the time. And boom, right there. Right there, I see... Sean and Sam interacting with this guy. There are 3 comments on the post. Sean and Sam are 2 of them. And so I'm like I don't know, I don't know why they're interacting here, but nobody else is and they're there. So I'm like this this is where we got to uh go hard. Um it's like late on a Friday, Dylan and I, we have a friend coming in. And I feel bad for this friend because every time we meet up, Dylan and I have some weird opportunity or annoying work we have to do. So this friend's trying to go bowling, and like, <laughs> we've, we've got to hustle on Twitter that night. So it's really unfortunate, but in hindsight, quite funny. Um, and I, I think I hopped in there, maybe you can hit show replies from, from Sam and Sean, but we basically just sniped this guy's post and offered more value. Oh, I was being a clown. Okay, so I was like, oh my God. Gosh, Jeremy, I haven't seen this in a, a while. It's February 26th. Um, right, so then I, I jump in to offer the two-for-one. And essentially it's me, Henry, I have the ability to physically build out your set. I know all the video and audio gear. I can get you all set up. Dylan's the systems guy. So here's the two-for-one. I'll build your set. Dylan's going to bring in the value of editing everything, bringing in that automated machine to handle all of your content editing. Um, I think where this gets crazy and interesting is we're like, there are a bunch of people on Twitter saying they're going to do this stuff. Let's go a step further and actually show them that we're going to show up, show them that we're going to show up. <laughs> um, and and this is where we're like, all right, we, we just got to, we're at an eight right now. We got to crank this up to 11. We got to crank this up um, and 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 really dig in and get crazy. And so, This friend comes over. He's trying to hang out with us, and instead, Dylan and I are in the inspect feature of like Google Chrome. You know where it's like a developer tool where you can just change all the source code to say whatever you want. (laughs) Um, So we just go in and make it look like we have a a airline ticket to Sam in Austin, like on Monday in three days. And Dylan was like, "Dude, no, he's going to go on on Google Flights and." he's, he's gonna, he's gonna find out this isn't a real flight. I'm like, Dylan, I'm, I'm 10 steps ahead. I, you know, I, I went on American Airlines or whatever and found an actual flight, Nice. made sure all the details checked out. Let's, let's make this look as legit as possible. And that's where you get Sam Parr, like, I don't know if this is real or not. (laughs) Um, and for a while, I think Sam was creeped out because he thought we were just going to show up at his door. Why would you not think that? Yes,
0: DM me. Let's go. (laughs) He didn't DM you. I Assume. Yeah, not yet. No, I don't. I don't think he did. So then we're like, uh, all
1: right, our friend still wants to go bowling, but but we got to do more. And so I think we we populated a similar kind of fake airline ticket, but for Sean, we're like, and we're going to San Francisco two days later. At that point, Sam pings. I think again, like I do not know if you're serious or not. So then, yeah, Saturday or Sunday rolls around. That's that's where you got that video playing. And Dylan and I are like, right, we are two creepy random dudes on Twitter with 20 followers each. There's no social proof. What do we need to do right now to prove we're serious? And that's when I shot this kind of sampar, you know, serious enough to make this in eight hours video. And it was basically like, a bunch of people are gonna tell you what to do on Twitter. I'm gonna go through all the energy of actually you know shooting and editing a video to show you what what we'll do and it was you know that kind of proof of work um to to show them what we were capable of and i think what they ended up telling us later is like this intro that that you're watching right now that was really lucky in the sense that it's just me yelling at our roommates i was sleeping on the floor in, in that apartment um and it came off as as really genuine um because our, our roommate David there called Sam like Sam Puri or or Sean Barr or something. <laughs> um, and it was just like the the perfect nice little authentic intro to be like,
0: all right, these guys are serious and they're real. So what was your thought process from like you booked the flight? Are you are you like, how We we need to figure out, we need to figure out how to get their attention more. Like obviously we caught their attention. They they kind of like know where the the guys that bought a flight. But like now they're creeped up. Like, how do we like was the thought process like, how do we show them we're serious? Completely. And I think
1: so, other than the intro of this video, I think what really sold it is there's a shot in that video showing my workshop six months ago. And then here, as I'm flipping off the lights and powering up the the podcasting studio, you get a sense of what this place looked like six months ago, six months ago, and what it looks like as a podcasting studio now. And because we can only connect the dots in hindsight, I think we were very lucky that I had that, that kind of proof of work. I, I was shooting content the whole time as, as a video diary, going yeah. all the way back to these systems Dylan created. Uh, you know, He linked me up with my personal editor. We've got all this, this content, all this diary entry stuff. And so for me to be able to show Sean and Sam, this is what this workshop looked like six months ago. This is the level of production we're doing today was A, serendipitous, be a little bit lucky, but also C, just the product of working hard and documenting it. Uh, so when that opportunity came, that opportunity being Sam and Sean in their podcast, we had all our ducks in a row to prove that, that, that we had done this for ourselves and, and we could do it for them.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is another example of what we were talking before, of like, you had been vlogging for a while just because like, like you, I mean I think you you really enjoyed it right and and during that time you're developing your craft, and if you hadn't been like pursuing your kind of like your interest and creating all these vlogs up to now, you wouldn't have had the skills to put together like this little micro vlog in like a couple hours to to be super responsive and like show them like hey, this is actually what we can do exactly right um,
1: had I not been shooting those vlogs for six months, I wouldn't have known how to go out and talk to the camera and, and be genuine, but also have a lot of energy right, and be exciting and engaging. Uh, had Dylan not introduced me to, first of all, had Dylan not read the four-hour work week, but then not introduced me to the systems he was building, you're right, I wouldn't have had the means to turn that video around in, in eight hours. That was a video that before all of this transpired with, with Dylan and I, I would have spent an entire week editing. So it was just like the, the, the speed and the quality we
0: could pursue these things at was really, I
1: think, in our favor.
0: So, what, what happened after that video? Did it hit you up right away?
1: No. So, that drops, that video drops at like midnight one day. And the, the kind of two for one, Dylan jumping in was to take one of their pre existing podcast clips and show them what we could do as an animated edit. And so Dylan dropped that the next day. And that was like very early smart nonsense, you know, storytelling through animated clip. Once Dylan posted that, that's when Sean DM'd us. And he was like, who are you guys? What do you want? And, you know, how can I be of help? And that's when we got on the phone with Sean and, and everything kind of started to align.
0: How did that phone call go? And um, like, did he offer you? What, what, what was the... What Did he want to hire you right away? Or what, what, was, the, what was the spiel?
1: Yes and, Yes and no. It was basically like, you guys are kind of the anomaly when it comes to entrepreneurs. Like I get a lot of DMs. I get a lot of people asking for stuff, saying they can do stuff. And I can tell a lot of it is meh. I can also tell that you guys are really, really freaking serious about what you do and you're good at it. So he's like, I don't know if we're going to work together but like in whatever capacity i just want to kind of be connected and and be that like father figure entrepreneur to be like what you guys are doing is right and you know your parents friends family members guardians whoever they're going to tell you that you should go the traditional route i'm here to tell you like absolutely do not something will work out i will give you those opportunities if i need to so it, it's like this really like kind of validating moment for Dylan and I. Being in the trenches for a year, nobody watching us, shooting stuff every single day, documenting our lives, nobody caring. To then have our biggest idol at the time be like, what you guys are doing is awesome. It has merit. And essentially, I'm going to help you do it forever. right? That's a that that's, that's like game-changing moment right there. Pff, craziness. Um, so we were on, on cloud nine and uh, what we ended up doing was we flew out to San Francisco to to kind of ball out on Sean's studio. And he just kept dropping these wisdom bombs. And we're like, all right, this is but what he told us is like, guys, don't worry about the business. Don't optimize for money. Optimize for people. You know? You're in your early 20s, optimize for working with your your idols, optimize for travel, optimize for friends, optimize for learning. If you do all of that in 10 or 15 years, you're gonna be just Golden. You're gonna be everywhere you want to be and more. Don't optimize for money. You'll 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 run into trouble.
0: That's great advice, by the way. (laughs) Hard to follow, but uh, but so profound. So at that point, did he like invite you guys to build up the studio? Like, was that on the first phone call, or was that like after that? No. So the first phone call was basically like, I like you guys. I
1: want to be that father figure, and also I just want more people your age to feel like this is a career path, that entrepreneurship is a career path and being crazy can be a career path. So that was that first phone call. I think from there we set up, I don't know, we probably flew out to San Francisco five days later or so, maybe the next week. Um, and we set up that that studio you see Sean at on the left there, which was a, a ton of fun. Uh, I think Dylan and I just the other day were saying, we've gotten to work with almost everyone we wanted to at this point in the last six months, nine months. The most fun we had was was flying out to San Francisco and launching this thing and, and being crazy and being spontaneous. Um that was very much like you know, Dylan's want to optimize for spontaneity. Yeah. That's exactly it. It's like start a business, reach out to Sean, fly to San Francisco, create said business on the fly. It's like it doesn't get more spontaneous than that.
0: Spontaneous, fun, and it seems effective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't just the, the initial video and stuff like it was that but then like how do you stay on the radar right like going like right. replying to all their tweets but like not just replying but replying with a picture replying with a video and just doing that again and again it seems for at least a month or two right like how do these guys remember our names and how do these guys like start talking about us like in their private conversations like who the fuck are these guys right <laughs> right and i think what anybody
1: can do is reply to every single thread. I, first of all, I think that's a good strategy because if you can add value or if you're funny and you want to make jokes and they can see those replies and associate it with your name and your picture, actually, I mean, there are a couple people that do this to Dylan and I who we've never met, we've never talked to, but they reply to every single thing we do. And we're like, oh, we, we very much know who that person is. Mm-hmm. And what we found in all of this is like, all these people, these like elite entrepreneurs, they're also incredibly normal people. Reading all of their notifications, reading all of their messages, and they're not that hard to get in contact with. Um, yeah,
0: it's crazy. So that that's they're, like they're
1: very normal people.
0: It, it's so mind blowing, right? Like you can literally, you can literally reach anyone in the world if they're not like living under a rock, right? Like if they're using social, like you can reach them in some way. But it's like it, it, it feels so inaccessible because like. It's like oh, they have like hundreds of thousands of followers, and like like it's gonna be drowned in my notifications. But like if you're just creative a little bit, like you guys like creating something that stands out a little with a video or with a picture with humor. It's like and you do that repeatedly. It's like inevitably they're going to know who you are.
1: Completely, completely. You know, even Dylan and I being a little bit on the flip side of that, right? Having a little bit of influence. A lot of people inbound, you know, wanting to work with us or wanting our stuff. We see everything. We see everything, and when we talk to these people, they see everything. So it's like, if like you said, if you can just stand out a little bit or offer a little bit, a little bit more value than the next person, you're in the door. Dylan and I weren't even on Twitter till last year, and and on Twitter until last year when a friend put us onto it. He's like, Facebook and Instagram, those are like. You're hanging out with people you already know. It's like friends, family, and neighbors. If you want to get in front of people you can know, and like the rest of the world, go on Twitter. And we just found like if we added enough value, we could connect with literally anybody, uh, just without asking for much.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. And thanks for sharing that story. It's interesting because it seems like you guys had kind of like a get your foot in the door moment, right? Which like opens a relationship. You build their studio. Which kind of it doesn't seem like that was like a service you guys really uh, like provided officially at the time, right? But that was the way of like, hey, like the first way to provide value, you know, and and then in the meanwhile, you guys were like pumping out these clips of like, hey, like you guys know we can do good shit. We we set up your studio, like we also make these clips and like we've made a couple of these for free, like like this is what we can do. They're like better than anything else you can probably find out there. Almost like teasing them, right? I'm like, hey, like like, dangling the clip, like, hey, (laughs) check this out. That's exactly right. And then they came to you after that, of like,
1: correct. I think too, it's like we built up so much goodwill. You know, we we did the first month of their content out of pocket. It cost Dylan and I something like 15, 20 grand. Dylan at the time, out of pocket. Um, Again, I wasn't even working with him. And uh, building out their studio costs a lot out of pocket. You did that for free? Fine. Uh, I forget no, I think we got reimbursed for all the gear and stuff, but you know we bought all the travel expenses, and yeah, we probably bought two thousand dollar tickets to San Francisco, you know that were two days away that we definitely didn't get reimbursed for, so we were out of pocket there, but it's like again, it's like optimizing for the long term and for people, not the money. We're like in some way or another, all of this goodwill will come back to us, whether it's these guys. Or somebody else they, they refer us to, or uh, another podcast or another business down the line, let's just like create a lot of goodwill. let's just give, give, give. and something in turn will, will come back to us. And so that's, that's kind of what we found in, in most all of our client relationships. is just where we can give a lot and create a lot of trust, good things end up end up coming back to us. And in this case, it was Sam begging
0: for these clips. you know If you, if you had to sum up the blitz strategy of reaching someone you want to work with, a, a successful entrepreneur, a podcaster, YouTuber, what, what's the exact strategy? Because it seems like you guys did this with uh, Sam Parr and Sean Puri of My First Million, but then you saw, oh, this works. And you repeated this right. over and over and over with a couple of people, which we'll go into later. But what's, if you have to break it down to, to steps, what's, what's the strategy? Yeah, it's a find somebody you like
1: and what that really means is find somebody who going way back to this idea of doing something for free find that person that actually it's it's kind of funny uh that person when we're looking for that person for us it's very much like the i think it was Warren Buffett Ben Graham right so Warren Buffett was going to be a i think a summer intern for Ben Graham that might not even be his name um but there was something where Ben Graham, the, the employer was like, this isn't, I am so valuable to you, Warren Buffett, that you should be paying me for this internship. And Warren Buffett's like, yeah, completely. I agree. So it it's very much like that. So Dylan and I are like, okay, who would we literally pay to be in the same room as, you know, at the time it was Sam and Sean. Uh, then it became the all in guys, Chamath, uh, Jason Calacanis, David Sachs, David Friedberg. Um, <laughs> Again, that, that optimizing for people. So finding someone you love, someone you would pay to get in the room with, and going on just a deep dive rabbit hole on that person, figuring out everything they're doing, what do they need, what are their pain points, where can you add value, where can you inject value into their life? And then from there, it was just create that thing that would show them you are the person for the job or the person who can add that value. It doesn't have to be... A crazy guy on a vlog on a video, you know, Um, it can be a ping to Jason Calacanis with a pitch deck for uh, something you would do differently at his venture fund or whatever it is. Um, I've got a friend Afan in in India who used this to get Sarah Deechi's attention, and he's a video editor at heart. But what what he knew Sarah Deechi needed was a personal assistant, someone to schedule things. Uh, schedule her calendar and and organize her life, and so he applied to to work with her through a video. Yes, but as this kind of personal assistant. Um, so, to to sum on that, it's find someone you love that you'd work for for free. Better yet, you'd pay them to work for them. Figure out what their pain point is, and show them how you can solve that problem. Um, it's it's quite simple.
0: And I feel like one part that's missing is like like demonstrate. You can do the work in a attention grabbing way because I you mentioned like oh, you could just right. ping Jason Calacanis but but Jason is getting like like hundreds of DMs every week I know because like I was managing like Tom Billu's like inbox I know what that looks like right. <laughs> it's like right. it, it, it's actually hard to to get through to someone but like I think what you guys are doing different is like like how do they con- like where 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 is their attention right. Their attention is, right. is probably not in their DMs. It's probably more so in their feed, right? Or like in their notification of like, oh shit, like someone tagged me with like a video where it says like, uh, I don't know, you have some crazy titles for like um, the stuff you've done with the, the all end guys, for example. Yeah, and
1: I think I think to that end, uh, Dylan and I very much took the approach of relishing the obscurity, right? So when nobody's watching us. Nobody's paying attention. We're doing this stuff because it's fun. It's like relish in the obscurity. Take a chance, you know? Uh, be a little bit crazy. Try a bunch of stuff. Nobody's watching. Don't I think a lot of people stop at that kind of the the point that is fear of judgment. And we're like, if you just relish in the obscurity and you just dive through that, that fear of judgment, uh, you can come out of it standing out. Oh man, these are good videos. All
0: right. So I forgot about all these. I think these are just good examples of like, hey, if if David Sachs is going through his new, new his uh notifications and he sees someone that tagged him and it's like a video that <laughs> says David Sachs, my daddy, like uh, that's gonna catch his attention, you know? Uh, <laughs> Same with Tremont, uh, like the world's the world's sexiest, or the The world's se- sexiest, sexiest social spag. capitalist. Oh. That that's gonna catch Hot. your attention. That that's well and I'll
1: say too, so even the Jason Calacanis one, it's not that raunchy. It's titled Jason Calacanis, I want to be you. You have to understand like humans are inherently selfish. These guys at the top of Silicon Valley are at the upper echelon of like caring about themselves. Right. So, and, and I would too. The, the Jason Calacanis video is like, here's this young guy that in four minutes is literally saying every single reason he wants to be you. It's like, how do you not watch that? You know, and yes, like you said, if it's engaging enough, if it's high enough quality, you can stand out, and that will kind of warrant a response. That high enough quality thing came from doing it for six months, you know, um, and just iterating and building the system behind the scenes. So, um, serendipity in the sense that we had been doing it a long time.
0: So, so who are you guys working with right now that, that you can talk about, like big names that people yeah, would recognize? Yeah, I think.
1: So the, the all-in guys, they're interesting. Uh, two people we're working with, big names that people would recognize, is the all-in guys and Naval. What's interesting about these guys is they're not paying us. This is like us just giving, giving, giving to the nth degree. So we, we coined the term squatter marketing, um, which is what we're doing with those guys. And it's essentially like, let's just treat them like they're a client and do all their stuff Because if it's of good enough quality, they're going to share it. And if they share it, that's distribution for us. So we've broken our company into kind of two factions, and we call them the aircraft carrier. That's all of our clients, people that pay the bills, Uh, you know, very like regimented rules, uh, scheduled landings. Like that's the aircraft carrier. Then we have the pirate ship, and those are the crazy guys, like essentially what Dylan and I started this as. And the pirate ship does that kind of squatter marketing for All In, Naval. Um, our podcast which we haven't been doing clips for we realize is silly if we're the clip guys we should probably be doing clips for ours um in terms of clients who we're working with we've very much found ourselves in this kind of like tech Twitter VC area mm-hmm. what's funny is all these VCS are coming to us because they want to compete with each other's media arms and so we're just kind of like stuck in the middle uh, none of their stuff ends up looking alike but it's just kind of funny um, that we've We've become the means for these VCs to compete with one another. Um, we so okay. There's a few we do. Uh, we work with the C2 of HubSpot. We do his YouTube stuff. That's a lot of fun, and also a little bit outside of our core competency, right? Our core competency is like social media clips. Um, for the social media clips, uh, it's yeah the hustle, and then a couple crypto companies, a couple VCs. Um, and then there's this cool well it hasn't come out yet, but we're doing some history videos for this uh, YouTube channel uh, that we can talk about when those come out
0: i love but, I love yeah. the term squatter marketing it's I mean it seems like <laughs> I don't know if anyone's done this before, but um, it's genius because because you're leveraging what? you're leveraging the audiences of these podcasts that have millions millions of uh, probably millions of downloads right and Mm-hmm. Um, through the clip they 're sharing it through their social, and I mean you guys you guys' names have have come up a good amount, both in their podcasts, uh, both like for my the, the my first million and the all in podcast and so i 'm curious now just real quick to go through the approach you use with um, the all in uh, podcast because it seems like it was similar, but just like want to go more into the specifics and how you guys ended up reaching them, like how long it took. How many clips it took? How did it go from hey, let's let's get the all in guys to uh, Jason Calcanis like DMing you like hey like like these clips right. are dope like can you make more? <laughs> this is funny because so a couple things
1: happened. My first million right we were like okay the the blitz strategy that works that works we've seen it work we now have a business so we were like next up you know who are those kind of north star clients that again, we would pay to be in the room with. Um, That was the all-in podcast. It was a podcast Dylan and I loved. The sad thing is, as we're gearing up for this blitz that we now know has to be bigger and better than the My First Million one, if we want to get their attention, of course, the day we want to start that blitz, we happen to be in New York with that same friend who, you know, every Friday (laughs) night we're together, Dylan and I have some (laughs) scheme. So it's just bad time. And those were a couple months apart. Terrible timing. But for All In, it was like, we got to go bigger and harder. There's four uh, hosts of the All In podcast. We need to essentially do what we did for My First Million times four, right? So it's not just a video, a vlog to show Sam Parr what we can do for him. It needs to be four videos for each of the hosts of the podcast uh, putting our value into their world, right, into their their reference frame. And like the videos you just showed, it was Jason Calacanis, I want to be you. David Sachs, you're my daddy. Uh, Chamath, you're you know an awesome social capitalist. And David Friedberg, like I'm just like you because I'm a physicist and he's an astrophysicist. So it was like just be loud and get their attention. On top of that, the the kind of squatter marketing was you know they record once a week. Let's just take a team internally, a team of our animators, and say hey. We got a new client, it's the All In podcast, now you do their clips. That's all it was. And so we started ripping their clips. And I think, I mean, that, that didn't take long at all because we, we figured out this, this model that works. I think our, our goal, goal was to roll out one of my vlogs Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday that week. And Monday, right after, I mean, minutes after I released Jason's vlog, he was on it. You know he had retweeted it. And we did that strategically. We looked at what kind of time these guys spend on Twitter, when Smart. they're on Twitter, who's Smart. on Twitter the most, right? So it was in order of Twitterness. Jason Calacanis, then David Sachs, then Chamath. Chamath so <laughs> both Chamath and Friedberg don't spend much time on Twitter. Chamath had a bigger audience, so we were like, let's go for Chamath. And then I think Friedberg was last. Maybe Maybe I got that wrong. But essentially it was we need to target Jason Calacanis and David Sachs first because they're the two that are active on Twitter. We know Twitter. Um, and I think Jason eked out the first place in this because it's really his podcast uh, that he pulls the strings for. So we were like, we need to get on his radar first thing this week and then use the other videos after that to kind of stay on his radar until they drop an episode and we can make clips. So it's very, very calculated um, in, in terms of timing. And... uh it worked. I, I don't know. I, like, I still don't know. I, we, just, we just do their clips. It's squatter marketing. Um, we've never asked them to pay us. I don't think we intend to. Again, we want to pay to be in the same room as them. We will do that indefinitely. And what that looks like now is whenever we have something or need something, we can get them to respond in two minutes on Twitter. Do, um, do you have an example? So that's
0: good enough for us. An example of like um, things you've got, you guys have asked because in a, in a sense you're 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 paying them in clips for for I guess a relationship, and I guess the hope is probably like <laughs> some sort of some sort of mentorship, right? Of some sort of like, hey, right. like these guys is like knowledge is going to wash off on me. If it's almost like uh, nowadays when you're in the internet, it's like you're in the same room because you're like in the same right. DM threads, right? Right,
1: completely. Two things. Two things come to mind. One, which we just started today, um, Dylan and I started a kind of mentor list, like mm-hmm. you said, uh, to put out shareholder letters biweekly to just kind of let people know what our big wins and big losses are, what we're focused on, help us like hone our focus and have some accountability. So all these guys are on that list. You know, great. They're invested in the process. Um, even if they're they're not, it's like. We can get on their radar biweekly. Um so yeah, we did you, that. You basically um,
0: assigned them, self-assigned them as your shareholder. <laughs> exactly. It's like board of directors. Squat. You, you, you create a board of directors with all these guys in it, like you just exactly out of thin air.
1: <laughs> well, and it's funny because some of them don't really know what it is. And so we sent this email this morning and it's our first one, it's called a shareholder letter. And we're like, these guys are gonna get this email and be like, did did we invest in them on accident? <laughs> um but it, it's really it's really for Dylan and I, and then also like a lot of the VCs we we work with uh, have resources or like founders that they know that could maybe help us down the line. Like uh, we talked to Mike Maples, he's from Floodgate. Damn, and uh, you know if we were to ever productize this thing, we would need a kick-ass software developer. Mike Maples knows that person, so it's like let's bring him into these shareholder letters. You know. Put what we're building out there, and when we need something, they'll be there. Have you? If they have advice, you know, we can take it.
0: Yeah. Have you gotten any advice uh, from those uh, like shareholder? i We sent literally the first one this morning. I've been on email
1: all day. I think. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I know one person responded. Dylan, let me know. And so I said earlier, like it's very easy to get anybody's attention. It's actually not. And you're right. I think what, what we prioritized is when we're trying to get on these people's radar, it's got to be a one-liner. I found Shamath's email the other day. We hadn't talked to Chamath at all, but I found his email the other day just online. Um, and I'm like, hi, in an email. Hi, I have clips for you. What's the best way to get them uh, on your radar? That's it, you know? You could do the like, I'm Henry Belcaster. I don't know if you know this or not, but we've been making clips for you. I actually just graduated from college and we started this. No, no, nobody wants that. Chamath, I have your clips. How do you want them? That's it.
0: It's like send emails um, so the like, way you would send a text of us, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Distill it down into the least amount of words, the uh, least uh, time-consuming. Uh, because even... Look, Dylan and I, we're not really anybody's, but when we get these messages that are like in email with this much text, we'll, we'll glance over them, but then we mark it as unread and we don't read it for a week or two weeks. Mm. If you hit us with a one-liner, we can just get in there and, and move on. Yeah. So yeah, definitely ask for less and, and do less in,
0: in email. So shareholder letters, that's number one. Uh, you're going to share a second one as well.
1: Yes, yeah, so it was more... We're in the room with these guys. We can get them to respond whenever we need. And another one is David Sachs had been incubating this app called Colin through his his venture fund. And it was a live podcasting app. We, at the time, were looking for kind of different models to, to move our business in, to, to scale the thing. And we're like, oh, it would be amazing if we just kind of sold an enterprise uh, Package to them and did clips for the entirety of the Colin app or for Colin's top creators to give those top creators a reason to come over to Colin and produce content. So that was very much like, we have this little business at the time. Here's a huge deal we could close with them. We're in the room with David Sachs. Let's just make that happen, you know? And that was one of those like, we email him with this pitch and he's like, yeah. Sounds great. Uh, looking forward to it. Let's let's talk later this week. It's like we had created all of that goodwill. That now it's like all right, we've found an application where our business can serve theirs. Let's kind of bring in the relationship and and close that. And we never ended up doing that. They got busy with launch. It's it's somewhere some you know uh, bouncing around. But that was that was like you know we've we've done enough for David Sachs. Now if we want or need something from him. We can get in that conversation.
0: Yeah, it's um, it makes me think of this analogy I love with like the relationship bank account, right? Uh, Which is like Mm. from I think the the five habits of effective people. But just like just like investing over and over and over, it's like you guys have like given them the 10x the value of what you're asking. Like you're making small asks, which are like tiny for them. um, And by that time, it's like, hey, like like you guys are tight with them, right?
1: Right, all all we were really asking was to be the like de facto marketing company for his new startup, and like that's a very not easy, but like it's much easier for David Sachs to make that decision on behalf of this company he's incubating, yeah. Than starting from scratch, trying to get their attention and win over their business, you know, that was just snap of the fingers. David Sachs could decide to work with
0: us. So let's say for anyone who's listening. Who kind of wants to? You guys have kind of created like a. People have probably done it before, but like like you've created like a pathway of like, hey, like I don't. A lot of people I interview or like work behind the scenes with with like big entrepreneurs. Like you guys have like taken a a totally different pathway of like, hey, I actually don't want to work behind the scenes with someone. I I want to work for myself, but still work with these like like big entrepreneurs these big people that i look up to what's the playbook what's the playbook for someone to build an agency around that hire like if you're starting from scratch like hiring um, people from the philippines that can help them and and just getting some like getting something like an agency like that started yeah i think the playbook is really it's all in the 4-hour work week by tim ferriss
1: the other thing i would absolutely read is anything you want by Derek Sivers. It's like those two books, Tim Ferriss basically telling you how to 10x yourself and then Derek Sivers saying a business can be anything you want. Like don't get caught up in the legality and like trademark law and uh building like it's literally whatever you want. It feels like a game when you build that thing you want. Um so those are the two books that that were definitely the playbook, the the blueprint for us. The other one is probably like at least for culture, the book No Rules Rules. It's about Netflix's culture and just kind of being open and transparent and candid. So those have served us um, tremendously well. When it comes to hiring, that's completely Dylan's domain, an absolute beast in that, right? And I think my big problem with hiring is, uh, and someone explained this to me once, they're like, I I think you just see the best in people. And that's not what you want when hiring because – Time after time, I, I bring in the wrong person because I see that one good quality in them, mm. but it's the 10 other things that, that make them not worth it. Um, so I've, I've been banished from hiring. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think the biggest thing we do to edit, sorry, to hire video editors, it's really simple. And we follow the framework of the full body yes. If that person is not a full body yes, which I'll explain, then you don't hire them. And the full body yes is a yes from your head, a yes from your heart, and a yes from your gut. Mm. What we found is usually, almost always, especially when you're dealing with people, that first thing to go is the gut. So when we look at someone's portfolio, do we have that like, oh, that wow, that, that gut reaction that's like, that's it right there. Every single time we've optimized for that, they've been a great hire. If any one of those full body yes things are off, either your brain says no, your heart says no, or your gut says no, you get out of there immediately. So what we call that internally and what we'll write a book on someday is the, the wow metric. That's what we go off. When we look at this person's portfolio, do we say wow? Is there some audible or like gut feeling that uh, they're a kick-ass creator? If it wowed us, it works. I love it. Are they,
0: basically, are they impressive?
1: Completely completely.
0: And as far as specific sites, do you guys use any, like, do you use Upwork or what What are your favorite resources?
1: Yeah. Um, I personally hire a ton of people for one-off projects on Fiverr. Okay. Fiverr's awesome. Upwork's good. It kind of gets in the way because like Upwork sits in the middle and they take fees between you and the, the freelancer. So it It's it's kind of annoying. Dylan uses a site called onlinejobs.ph. It's an entirely Filipino workforce, and they just allow you to make a job posting and then take people on full time. That's the other thing we found is like when a lot of people are trying to do this, the outsourcing stuff, they either look for a freelancer or someone part-time because they don't want to make the commitment to like full-timeness and will I have enough work for that that employee to do. And what we found is like. Every time we've either hired part-time or a freelancer, 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 that person's scattered. They're working on different projects. They're doing things for different clients. It's like you have to bring someone on full-time if you really want it to work out and, and optimize for the long run. Mm-hmm. So we prioritize a completely full-time.
0: Nice workforce. Nice man. Well, thanks so much for your time, bro. Where where should people follow you? Find you online.
1: Yeah, they should hang out with me on uh, Twitter, probably, at Henry Belcaster, and then uh, daily videos on YouTube. Same
0: name, Henry Belcaster. Nice. Nice, man. Well, thanks so much. This was great. Jeremy, thanks for having me. There you have it. I hope you got something out of that conversation. And I wanted to give a quick shout-out to my good friend Sam, who edits this podcast every week. Uh, If you need any kind of help with audio or video editing, reach out to him directly on Instagram, his handle is ajikazem, which instead of spelling out, I'm going to include that in the description. So wherever you're listening or watching to this, it will be in the description. But yeah, reach out to him. He's awesome. Also, I really want to make this podcast as helpful as possible for you. So if you have any feedback whatsoever, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at mary And let me know how I can make this better if you have any questions for me personally. All right, thanks for listening and have an epic week, guys. Peace.